Amen. Good morning. Oh, come on. Good morning. There we go. I was like, man, nine o'clock crowd's not awake yet. Good to see all of you. Good to have you joining us live stream this morning as well. A little bit later, after our last song this morning, I'm going to be introducing a very special guest to all of you who's with us. And all of you are our special guests this morning. Whether you've been with us now for almost 13 years or whether you're brand new here at the Oasis, we're glad all of you are here this morning. Just a couple of reminders. Next weekend is the youth retreat. And so uh, youth, parents, whatever, got to sign up quickly for that. And then two weeks from this weekend is the women's retreat uh, up in Prescott. So gals, don't forget about that as well. Uh, So for the next couple of weekends, we've got groups from our church who won't be with us on Sunday, which means if you're not a part of the youth retreat or you're not a part of the women's service, I'm begging you as a pastor, please be here, okay? So we can make up the difference for those who won't be here for the next couple of weeks. Uh, We are in a series through the Gospel of Luke, looking at the story of Jesus. And this morning we're in Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 35. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 35. I've entitled this message, Get Ready. It is taken from verse 40, where Jesus is telling his followers and anyone who will listen, it's time to get ready. Well, to get ready for what? As we saw last week, faith is trusting God for the present, trusting in his promises, trusting that he will take care of us, that He will provide for us, that he will protect us. But faith isn't just trusting God in the present. It is also trusting God for the future. It is believing so strongly, so certainly in what God said is coming that it literally shapes my life every day now. That the things that God has told me for certain is going to be part of my future, literally defines my life in the present. What do I mean by that? Well, God says eternity is coming for all of us. God says his kingdom is coming. God says the king is coming. And are we living our lives in light of those truths every day. God wants us as his people to live every day in light of eternity. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul says to the Philippians, our citizenship is actually in heaven and we are waiting for our Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes, he will transform these humble bodies of ours into the likeness of his glorious body by the power with which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. So with that said, Jesus now uses this opportunity at this time in his ministry, to talk to his followers, and again, really anyone who is willing to listen about 
getting ready for what is coming. And you'll notice, beginning in verse 35, he starts out by saying, get dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. That phrase, get dressed for service, doesn't maybe mean much to us unless we understand it in the biblical context. Old translations of the Bible would use a phrase like, gird up the loins or something like that. And we're like, what in the world are those Bible writers talking about, right? Remember, in Bible times, they wore long robes. And in order to be active and, and not to have your movement impeded, you, you had to pull up your robe, you had to tuck it in, and you had to pull your belt or cinch your belt tight so that nothing would impede your movement as you served. So when Jesus says to his people, in light of what's coming, I need all of you every day to get dressed for service. It's literally like I wake up every day and I sort of report for duty into God. And I say, God, I am here today to make myself available to you. What is it that you want from me this day? And God, I'm ready to serve. I've got my, you know, robe tucked in. I've got my belt tightened up. I am ready to move at your voice. And then keep your lamps burning, maintaining a heart that burns for God and a life that shines for God. Jesus goes on in verse 36 to say, be like a people waiting for their master to come back. Be a people that live every day in anticipation, in, in great expectation of the Lord coming back for us. Is that the way we truly live our lives with that kind of, of, of waiting and expectancy and anticipation, you see, of the one who promised that he would come from heaven one day. How many times in your life were you so looking forward to someone's arrival that you literally like were waiting at the window or at the door until they arrived? It, can any of you identify with that? I, I don't know. There, there's only been a couple people in my life that I literally was like so excited to see them, that I would literally stand at a window or door and watch for their arrival because I couldn't wait for them to come. Jesus wants us to live like that every day. That we wake up every day thinking to ourselves, this could be the day that Jesus comes back for me. And so I'm going to live in light of that truth every day. And I'm going to allow that truth to then define and shape my day. I want, if Jesus is coming back today, then I want to be doing this when he comes. By the way, he says there that blessed 
are those slaves or servants who are, who are waiting, waiting when I come back. And by the way, the Bible is full of Jesus's own promises about his return. The one that's very familiar to all of us, John 14, where he turns to his disciples and like, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus promised he would come back. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, the men of Galilee are standing there looking up at the sky, and the angel appears and says, Men of Galilee, why are you staring up at the sky? This same Jesus that was taken up from you into heaven will so come back in the same manner just as you saw him go. Paul tells the Thessalonians, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, encourage or comfort one another with these words. The second to last verse of the Bible found in Revelation 22, 21, Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And John says, amen, come Lord Jesus. By the way, the word soon may throw some people off, like, oh, well, it's been a couple thousand years. The word soon there means suddenly. It means quickly. In other words, when Jesus comes back, none of us are gonna have time to, like, change anything. He, he's gonna... Come, and it's going to be, as the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. That's why Jesus says, I want my people to be a people who are waiting with great expectancy and anticipation when I come back. In fact, in verse 37, note this. Jesus says, blessed are those slaves or servants of mine whom the master, which is him, finds alert when he returns. Alert. Jesus is calling us in anticipation of his return at any time to be constantly vigilant, to, to, to be conscientious, to be engaged with him and what he's asking us to do, to be committed, to be devoted. It also speaks about being at one's post, doing whatever God is asking us to do at that moment or in that season. That's what the word alert means. And notice Jesus says, it's not a matter of if I come, it's just a matter of when. And by the way, I get asked this question a lot. There is nothing on the prophetic calendar of God that has to happen before Jesus comes. Nothing. So Jesus could come at any time. There, there is nothing preventing him from coming even in our lifetime. 
And Jesus is saying, I want my people to be alert, to be vigilant in their lives and in their service and in their ministry. And then Jesus gives this statement that is just extraordinary. And I, I had to sort of just say, thank you, God. You, you put things so well together, just like, you know, he leads Nicole and the songs that she chooses every Sunday and Wednesday. And as Jeff was getting up here this morning, I thought everything that Jeff said this morning to set up the service was something I was going to talk about in the message today. Because he was talking about how extraordinary it was that Jesus would be willing to wash the disciples' feet. Well, guess what? Look at verse 37. Jesus says a special blessing is reserved for those vigilant servants of mine. In other words, not every Christian or not every servant of the Lord is going to be afforded this great blessing. But for those that are truly vigilant, Jesus says a special blessing is reserved for them when I come. And look at what it is. Just like washing feet, it blows my mind. Jesus says, the master himself will dress himself to serve. You know who the master is? Jesus. And Jesus will have them, his servants, take their place at his table. And he, Jesus, is going to come and wait on them. That just, one of the things that reminds us of is that Jesus has the heart of, the ser- of a servant even as the Lord of glory. To Jesus, there's nothing demeaning about being a servant. Serving others is, is something of great honor and, and, and great dignity. Again, he showed that when he washed his disciples' feet and now he's promising all his vigilant servants, that one of the special blessings you will receive is that I will wait on you when you come into my kingdom. I will set a place for you at my table. I will be able to offer you my food and my drink. As the Lord of glory, I will serve you. What an amazing truth. And then Jesus goes on to say, Even, verse 38, if I come in the second or third watch of the night, even if I come deep into the night, and that certainly resonates with us because, again, we could start to say like many Christians have through the years, well, it's been so long since Jesus was here the first time. He's never going to come in my lifetime. I'm I'm not going to live in light of eternity and in light of, all of that. I'm just sort of going to do my own thing and live however I want to. But Jesus says, even if I come in the second or third watch of the night, he says, I find my servants alert, blessed are those servants. Those servants will receive a special blessing and reward from me because they maintain their vigilance. They maintain their commitment 
all through their life. They were on duty at their post right up into the end. And if I didn't come in their lifetime, then they were on duty at their post doing what I asked them to do, even up until their death. Because here's the thing, even if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime, eternity is coming for all of us. And all of us who know him are going to be part of his earthly kingdom and then his forever eternal kingdom. Are we living in light of those truths? Jesus says in verse 39, understand this. If the owner of a home had known at what time the thief was coming, obviously he would have been ready so that he could have prevented his home from being broken into. So Jesus says in verse 40, so you be ready because the Son of Man is going to come when you do not expect him. The words be ready are really important. Again, I think it's the key sort of summarizing everything Jesus is talking about here to his followers. Be ready. What's it mean to be ready? It means to be prepared for his coming. To be in the place that we want to be in if he were to come today, this week, this month, this year. It is a, a phrase that speaks about making all the necessary preparations. In a sense, Jesus is saying to us here, get your house in order while you have the opportunity. Whatever is out there that's not in alignment with me and your relationship with me, get it in order. Whatever it is you've been putting off that you know I've been speaking to you about, don't put it off any longer. Do it. Whatever it is I've told you to lay aside, don't waste any more time. Lay it aside. That's what it means to be ready. Again, it means living in light every day of eternity and taking our faith in what he has said is coming to heart and letting it shape the way I live my life. We all have to ask ourselves today, am I ready? If Jesus was to come today, am I ready to meet my Savior? Am I in the place in my life that I want to be in? Am I doing what I know God wants me to do? Is, is my priorities where they should be? Or am I living as if, nah, he, he's not coming. And eternity's not coming, and death is not coming, and his kingdom is not coming. I'm, I'm living as if none of that really resonates. Well, then Peter in verse 41 turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, are you telling this parable to us, meaning your intimate followers, or is this for a wider audience? Is this for everybody? And Jesus, obviously, by answering the question the way he did, is basically saying, anyone who has ears to hear, anyone who's willing to listen to my word, that's who this message is for. And he begins then to say, who is a faithful and wise manager? Jesus is going to tell us. But even in that, 
Jesus is telling us something about his values. What's he looking for in his people? Well, obviously, throughout this passage, he's been using the word servant or slave. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But one of the things I want to point out here is that this whole passage is talking about the quality of our service, not the quantity. And that's something that we as Christians have to come to grips with. I think sometimes we think that we're being great servants of God because we're so busy and and we're doing something all the time. God is more interested in the quality of our service than he is the quantity of what we're doing. That's why here at the Oasis, I've always tried to encourage all of us and even myself not to get overextended, to, to, to choose one or two things in our life for God and do them with excellence, to do them with high quality because we will make a greater impact for Christ and it will make a greater impact upon our life than it is if we're involved in a hundred things and we aren't doing any of them very well at all. We're just trying to keep plates spinning in the air. So the first word is faithful. God is looking for faithfulness, reliability, dependability. Can I count on you? Are you at your post consistently, regularly? It's one of the things that years ago God really spoke to me about. That's why I want to be here almost every Sunday and Wednesday because I want to be an example to you that that's how God asks us to live for him, to be at our post doing what God asks us to do faithfully. I don't want you coming in here going, well, I wonder if Jeff's going to be there today or not. Most of the time, I want you to know that if you show up, I'm here too. And that's the way it should be for all of us. And here's the great thing about faithfulness. Anybody can be faithful. It has nothing to do with our IQ, because if it did, I'd be in trouble. It has nothing to do with anything kind of skill level or talent or anything. Any of us can be faithful. Any of us can be dependable and reliable. And that's what Jesus is looking for as much as anything. In 1 Corinthians 4.21, moreover, it is required in a steward of God that a man or woman be found what? Faithful. Oh, that we would have more faithfulness in the body of Christ today. More dependability, more reliability, just being at our post on a regular, consistent basis, doing what God asks us to do. And then he adds, who's a wise manager? It reminds us that all of life, we are stewards, we are managers, because God has entrusted us with something or someone, because it all comes from God. And God is going to hold all of us accountable for how we have managed and stewarded what he has entrusted into our hands. And wise speaks about those who not only have great insight, but those who make the most of the opportunities that they are given. I want you to remember that. Making the most of our opportunities. Because that goes back to being vigilant, 
to being ready, to being prepared? Are we making the most of the opportunities that God is giving us in this life? Or are we passing them by? Because again, if we don't seize the opportunities when they're there, many times they won't come back around. And they're gone for good. And you and I know every day that goes by, that's one less day you and I have on earth. Every hour that goes by, that's one less hour. We're all headed towards eternity. We're all headed towards the kingdom. We're all headed towards a face-to-face encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we ready for that? And so Jesus later on in verse 43 says, Blessed is that servant whom the master finds at work when he returns. Again, not if he returns, when he returns. At work. That's an interesting word. It reminds us that serving the Lord, it's work. And if any of us have an aversion to hard work and labor, then we will never serve the Lord, at least like we should. Because serving the Lord is work. And we live in a day and age where people don't want to work. But when we serve the Lord... (laughs) There is no greater privilege or honor than being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and giving our life for him. And again, the word work here speaks about being at our post. Where is it that God wants you right now? What is it that God wants you to be doing? Because no matter where we are in life, God wants us to be at some kind of post. He wants all of us to be doing our part in his body. What is that? Do you even care? Are you trying to find out what that is from him? And then when you find it, are you doing it diligently? Are you being vigilant? Are you being faithful? Are you reliable? Are you dependable? These are the things that we all need to wrestle with and ask ourselves. And so Jesus says, who is a faithful and wise manager? The one who's at work when the master returns. And then he adds this. Just like he gave a great blessing and reward for those faithful servants in verse 37, Notice what he says in verse 44. I tell you the truth, he says, that the master will put those kind of servants in charge of all his possessions. Jesus is saying, do you realize that throughout eternity, I'm going to base what I give to you in my kingdom to do on earth and what I give you to be responsible for throughout all eternity as you rule and reign with me, as you serve me forever and ever, it's going to be based on how you've lived your life down here? I don't know about you, but that's like boom. Jesus is basically saying, Here's my reward. I promise those faithful servants future expanded responsibility. 
Now, that might even shock some of you because some of you might think that being part of his thousand-year millennial reign of Christ and, and maybe being in heaven is just up there floating around with harps and wings and, you know, just sitting back and just, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, it's work. We're, we're going to be serving the Lord. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ forever and ever. There's going to be responsibility. That's never going to cease. And Jesus saying, you realize if you're faithful in what I've given you here, I'm actually going to give you greater responsibility in my kingdom. I'm going to give you more. If you've proven to me that you can handle what I've given you on earth, then I'm going to give you even more to be responsible for throughout eternity. That's his reward. That's why I tell Christians, we've got to wake up. We've got to realize that our life here does count. That, that we shouldn't just be putting it on cruise control. That, that who you and I are going to be, who Christ allows us to be, what part we're going to play throughout his earthly kingdom and throughout eternity is all going to be based on how we've done it here. I don't know about you, but I want to be given greater responsibility. I want to be given a position of great responsibility in his kingdom. I want him to judge me as one who's been faithful so that he can give me even more throughout eternity. That's his incentive. That's his reward. Now, the reality is, not everyone takes the word of God seriously. So that's why beginning, you know, in verse 44, he talks about all oh, those servants that say, ah, the master's not coming back for a long time and I'm not going to treat the other servants well and whatever. And Jesus is basically saying, that's fine, that's your choice. If you really don't believe death is coming for you, if you really don't believe that eternity is coming for you, if you really don't believe that my kingdom is coming for you and that I'm coming back, fine. It's your life. You live it however you want to. But I'm telling you that for those of you that are willing to listen, the time is now. Let's make the most of our opportunities and let's be ready. Let's be those servants that when the master comes, he finds us alert. Let's be like those servants that when he comes, the master finds us at work. Let's not blow off what Jesus is saying here. He gives another principle before this passage ends. And it's sort of summarized there in the last phrase of verse 48. And it is a fundamental principle of all service and life before the Lord. He says, from everyone who is given much, much will be required. And to everyone who is entrusted with much, even more will be asked or expected. The principle before God is this. Those who've been given greater light, greater privileges, greater opportunities, will be held more responsible before God. The greater the light, the greater the opportunities, the greater the privileges, 
the greater the responsibility. You may disagree with me, but I believe that we as Christians in America, that's us. That's us. In my lifetime, I've been given more light. I've been given more privileges. I've been given more opportunities than anyone else on earth, which means God's going to hold me more responsible for what have I done with all the extra advantages that I've been given that so many others around the world have not been given. See, I think American Christians are going to stand before God one day more responsible because we've been given so much more. What are we doing with the more? Are we making the most of our opportunities? If you look at verses 54 through 56 for just a moment, of chapter 12, Jesus says, Look, he says, you all know how to interpret the sky and to anticipate what's coming weather-wise. He says, you can look off to the west and you see clouds arising, you know that a rainstorm is coming. He says, and when you feel a wind blowing from the south, you know that it's going to start getting hot. He says, how is it that you have enough wherewithal to be able to determine what's coming weather-wise and you prepare for it, and yet you know what's coming down the road and yet you're not preparing for it? He says, you're not interpreting the time in which you live. You're not making the most of your opportunity because to God, time equals opportunity. Always in the Bible, time equals opportunity. And Jesus saying, what are you doing with the opportunities that you've been given? Are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we living in light of eternity? One other thing before we move into our final song. In this passage, Jesus has used the word slave or servant a lot. And, and you and I, obviously, that term can be such a negative term, right? But I want you to see this term in a little bit of a different light. First of all, and we're going to talk more about this even in our study of the word on Wednesday night out of Exodus. Servanthood many times in the Bible was what you and I would describe today as Downton Abbey. Okay? We have no problem with Downton Abbey those people that lived underneath the upstairs, they were servants. But that's how they made their living. And they were 
well taken care of. Now, they weren't top shelf, but that's what they did with their lives. They were servants. And many times in the Bible, that's how people made their living. They did things with their life, in a sense, to serve others. I mean, even here in the valley. You go to these resorts and you have people who literally live their lives to serve those who check into the resort. Whether it's the person at the front desk or the person who's cleaning our room, whatever, they're servants. So I don't want you to always see the term servant or slave in such a negative way. It can be that way, and certainly even Israel experienced that kind of slavery. But that's not the way Jesus is using this term. And the other thing I want you to see, especially before our closing song this morning, is that this term that Jesus uses here speaks about one who willingly, okay, so they have a choice, who willingly gives up their will to live for the will of someone else. That's what this term means. So in the context of our relationship with God, it is us getting to a point in our life where we, as God's children, willingly say, God, this isn't my life. This is your life that you've given me. And I'm willingly giving it up, surrendering it to you. Use me however you want to. I will spend my life doing not my will, what I want to do, but what you want me to do. That's what the term servant or slave means here. One who gives themselves up for the will of another. All of us have to ask, am I a true servant? of the Lord, knowing that one day he's coming and he's going to evaluate my service for him on earth. Am I ready? Am I prepared? I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come, and I'm going to ask you all to stand with me and close in prayer. Father, we we confess that we believe in your truth. We believe in the reality of your eternity as you define it, not as man defines it. We believe that the kingdom is coming, and we believe that the king is is coming. And Lord, I pray today that if that's what we believe, then are we living in light of that? Lord, I believe you're reminding all of us that it's not what we believe that's most important. It's that we live what we believe that's most important. And I pray today, God, that we're not just believing things, but not living in accordance with those things. That, God, we are living what we believe. And we believe you're coming. So, Lord, may we be ready when you return. 
these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.